much love. Every little thing she does is magic. Everything she does just turns me on. Even though my life before was tragic, I know my love for her goes on. It's episode 22, season 5, Ravage Love. Hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I am good. What are we doing this week on the show, Renee? Fairy tales, Julie. Oh, the fairy tales. We love that. We love that. Um, I'm, as usual, for folks who are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, every week we read two books on the same theme. Uh, and we never know what each other's books are before we start. So I have no clue what Renee is doing. Um, but before we launch into our books... Renee wanted to uh, sort of follow up a bit on our last episode where we discussed how Renee's got the Miz. She's got the Miz biz. The old Mrs. The, the old, old Mrs. Mrs. Like the, the st- battle act. <laughs> Which uh, as a white woman is statistically, so white women, especially from Canada, literally have the world's highest rates of MS. Uh, so mm-hmm. Renee's in great company. She's on trend, if you will. <laughs> Just surrounded by my soul sisters, just, just the sisterhood of the traveling uh, gabapentin? I don't know. Uh, just sisterhood of the traveling walkers. They're just <laughs> scooting along. Just, <laughs> just scooting along these streets. Uh, so, yeah, you wanted to uh, follow up on that. I did. Um, I'm Maria Tremonti. No. Uh, <laughs> That was an incredible deep cut Canadian reference. I am applauding you from across the country. (laughs) You know, sometimes, sometimes in the morning where I'm like, I'm sitting in my car, maybe like the music's off because I just want to be in my thoughts. I'll start um, practicing my, my, how to say my name in radio voice. Um, Love this for you. Because it's like, I'm Pia Chattopadai. Like, you know, so mine is like, I'm Renee Cabana Marshall. <laughs> so I just like, I practice it all the way to work. Anyway, I love, I love it. I, yeah. Um, yeah. So all I was going to say is that I've listened to a few of our episodes uh, the past few weeks and I'm noticing that I am just getting lost. <laughs> I'm so getting so lost in my translation of like trying to, explain the books that I'm reading and staying on track because I've usually got like my my e-reader app up on one screen of my computer and then I've got the, the audio lines of our of our recording app going and I'm just getting so clouded and my it's my medicine my medicine gives me wicked wicked uh, uh, brain fog and it's pretty significant and so I'm realizing that that's bleeding through into the show um, and so I I'm not going to stop taking these meds because frankly, they're God invented them. Uh, (laughs) God is a woman and she invented medicine for women who have a missus on their back and uh, I'm not going to stop taking it, but I'm, I'm going to sound foggy and disoriented probably moving forward. And I'm trying hard to kind of like keep notes and things. In fact, um, I, I follow this woman on Instagram and she, writes like monster romance okay you know okay so you know um cat 
she sent us um, a link to a bookmark with Jesus on it. Yes, our friend Kat. Yeah, it's her. It's that it's that uh, content creator, the one who created that bookmark. Amazing. And she, because she, you know, dabbles in, in romance and erotica and like monster stuff, she actually created a little notebook called um, LOL, It's Smut. Incredible. And it's just a, a book for um, you to keep track of what's happening in in the smut that you're reading. Incredible. So it's got like the best quotes and like what pages has uh, the smut on it and like, you know, how, how, what's the spiciness rating and all these things. So I bought one and I have it and I didn't have enough pages uh, for what I read this week, but I think it's going to be handy moving forward. So I'm doing my best. um, And you know, if Julie, if I, if I get off track, let's just, um, Let's just come up with like a like a code word. Um, Kaka. Like, no, like I need like an actual word, like because um, I'll just be like, "Is there a bird? Is there a bird somewhere?" Or I'll start imagining and thinking about birds. How about um, French French couch doll? French couch doll. Those are a thing. Okay. They're, those are a thing. They're like giant porcelain dolls that in in French. A design in the olden days they would put them on their couches um or you could just say like porcelain doll or or um <laughs> i got it ted cruz is the zodiac killer and i'll be like right okay <laughs> right i'm back i'm back so I'll figure it out throw something at we'll me workshop it we'll workshop it listeners if you have any suggestions on what our word should be let us know oh i got it i got it okay but you have to do it in a voice. You have to say, ma'am, you're meandering. <laughs> and I'll be like, right. Okay. Please do that. That's what that's what we're going to. Okay. Perfect. I will do that if you become, if you start meandering. But your poor, poor body and your poor brain, you got ADHD, you got MS, you're, go- you're struggling. Your brain is doing the absolute best it can. And you're still the funniest person I know. Uh, and people still listen to us. So I'm sure it's fine. But uh, folks, now you know. Now you know what now has been know. up. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Take a bow, my dear. Take a bow. Uh, or maybe not too soon because I don't know what you read, and so I might need to curse you later. Um, so this week's theme was fairy tales. Renee clearly right. had some sort of idea in mind when she chose this theme. I am right was very upset to find that when you google fairy tale romance what comes up is fucking Anne rice and her goddamn sleeping beauty and i'm like we've been there we were traumatized by the pony play and we will not revisit so pony spanks <laughs> atlas shrugged yeah i was like no thank you <laughs> so i found um lila i'm gonna say it's lila de pasqua is the author and she has a series called fiery tales which i thought was very clever um and they are remixes hot romance erotica remixes of fairy tales so i just picked at random there were several there was little red riding hood there was like um peter pan there was all kinds of different stuff but i chose sleeping bow 
because I thought oh. that was interesting. So this is book four in the Fiery Tales series, um, and it was written by USA Today bestselling author um, Lila De Pasqua, uh, and she mm-hmm. writes erotic historical romance. I mean, those, I am the circle of that Venn diagram, like straight up. That is everything I love. Um, this one came out in 2010. It was about 200 pages <clears throat> and it was good and it was spicy and I was very excited. So picture it, France, 1685. And there. Adrien Christophe d'Aspé de Bourbon, Marquis okay. de Bolin. <laughs> Calm down. Has been begged by his half-sister Charlotte to seduce Catherine de Villecourt because Charlotte, so his half-sister Charlotte, is in love with Philbert. Or Philbert, if you will. (laughs) Philbert. I know. Philbert sounds way better than Philbert, but because Philbert... No? Was there ever ever a least sexy name? Oh my god. (laughs) Honestly, no, I don't think there is. But I mean, I'm going to call him Philbert. No, I'm going to call him Philbert because he sucks. And so he deserves to be known as the sucky suck. So (laughs) picture it. France, 1685. Adrien has a half-sister named Charlotte. Charlotte is in love with Philbert. But Philbert is betrothed to Charlotte. So... What does, uh, sorry, he's betrothed to Catherine and Adrian is known, Adrien, is known for being a real beast in the sack, a womanizer, charming, very good looking. And so his half sister, Charlotte is like, dude, this is fucking easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You're going to go fuck some random people anyways. Why not fuck this woman and then take her away from Filbert and then I could have Filbert. Because she is fucking Filbert. So she's Filbert's side piece, but she wants to be the main course. And so she tells Adrian, fuck this bitch, literally, and get her off my back. And he was like, I'm not going to be your fucking stud, basically. Like, what the fuck? You're going to pimp me out to somebody? And then she is like, look, 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 look. She's coming to the party. She's coming to the party. Look, look, look. And he looks and he's like, oh, it's her when he spots this Catherine woman that to his knowledge he'd never met before has no idea who this chick is and in his mind she must be some like ugly drab piece of shit or some snot whatever he realizes oh my goddamn Christ she is the mystery woman who put aphrodisiac in my bourbon and then we fucked all night long five years ago it was the best sex I've ever had in my entire life. And she just showed up at this masquerade ball. Didn't really get, you know, any information about her. She was like, let's go back to your room. We fucked all night long. And then I woke up in the morning and she was just gone. But then I noticed that there was some powdery stuff in my drink. So I know that I had been drugged. And then I looked down on the sheets and there was blood. So <gasps> this chick drugged me. And then I took her virginity And I've never seen her or heard anything from her since. And he had inquired about her. No one knew anything about this person. And here's this fucking chick coming to his estate. And his sister is telling him to fuck her. And he's like, isn't that interesting? So he 
goes back. He goes up to her, basically. Um, and he goes to hunt her down to, like, basically confront her. But what's important to know about Adrien is that his reputation is that he's a beast in the sack, but it's also overshadowed by the rumors that he's cursed. That one of his dad's mistresses interrupted his baptism to curse him to a life of being beautiful and charming, but never able to find love and forever a pain in his dad's ass. And he is a pain in his dad's ass because he won't get married. He's constantly fucking around, sleeping with people's husbands or with wives and doing all kinds of shit. And so the curse is like kind of panning out a little bit. So he doesn't, he has a reputation for being a bad boy, but also one that you like, you have a good time with, but then you get the fuck away. He's a fuck boy essentially. So anyways, he confronts Catherine and she acts like she very clearly is like, oh my God, but acts like, oh, I, I don't know you, but her body is very much betraying her. And so he goes up to her and he starts like trying to seduce her. And she's very clearly into it, but trying to fight the urge. Now, she then, Catherine, realizes, oh my God, this is not who I thought I fucked that night. Because it turns out her lady-in-waiting had given her shitty intel and told her that he was just some lowly foreigner that you're never going to see ever again. So he's the perfect candidate. The perfect candidate for what? Well, it turns out that Philbert is a piece of shit. <laughs> And Catherine was betrothed to him because of some family shit, blah, 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 blah. And she doesn't want to marry this dude and she cannot get out of it. She has like begged and pleaded with her dad to not have to have to marry this dude. He's awful. I know he's going to be a terrible husband. Um, he, he's just the worst. And her dad's like, no, you have to, you have to. So in Catherine's mind, like this is the 1600s, right? She's like, oh, if I'm not a virgin, he's not going to want me. So I'm going to throw myself at some man, fuck him. And then tell people that I fucked him. And then my husband won't ever want me. Well, apparently <laughs> he still did. And in fact, then saw it as like sort of blackmail of like, well, no one will want you. So you won't ever leave me once I marry you. So Catherine thought she fucked some rando. Turns out she fucked the king's son. So Damn. now she's like, this motherfucker's going to put me in jail. This motherfucker is going to put me in jail because I drugged him and I fucked him. Oh my God. What the fuck do I do? So, um, he meanwhile is like, I don't care. I want to fuck your brains out every day until the day I die. Like, he's like, I'm not going to, she's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And so he seduces her. They bang. It's real spicy. Uh, love this little detail. He, Pulls out because unlike my father, I don't make bastards. And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> we love to see it. Um, and then she is like, oh fuck. Like what now what do I do? Like Philbert's going to be here in two weeks and we're getting married. Um, and I have to marry this dude. But also this guy's here and he's hot as fuck. And her lady in waiting is like, why don't you just fuck him? Just fuck them until your husband gets here. Have a good time. Get a little roll in the hay in before you spend the next rest of your life with this fucking ugly piece of shit. And she's like, no, 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 no. Um, and then finally, she just can't. Her body just, you know, it's just the chemistry is too good. So she's like, okay, we're going to bang for the next week. And then when my husband gets back or my husband-to-be, that's it. We're done. It's just going to be sex. Clearly, we have chemistry. Let's just go. 
So they go to fucking Poundtown. They go to Poundtown <laughs> on a picnic basket, or like at a picnic, and it starts raining, and they're still fucking. They're fucking like up against doors. They're fucking all over the place. Just Poundtown all the time. And then constantly reassuring the reader that he pulls out. So, so you know this isn't going to end with her being pregnant, which I appreciated. Um, <laughs> now, remember. Love to see it. <laughs> love to see it. So, again, his half-sister should be fucking stoked by this news because, theoretically, this is going to take her away from her Philbert that she wants to be with. Problem is, Philbert shows up early. And now (gasps) Catherine is like, oh, fuck. And so her lady-in-waiting is like, get in the bath, take this fucking dude's jizz off of you, basically, and pull it together because your husband-to-be is about to be here. Now... You think um, that, you know, Charlotte would be delighted by the, the what's happened. But instead, Philbert shows up, finds Charlotte, and he's like, my love, my love, fucks her. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting married in a few days. So, like, we're done here. And Charlotte is shit. what a piece of shit, right? So now Charlotte, Adrian's half-sister, is blaming Catherine because that's what the patriarchy is. Instead of being mad at men, we take it out on other women. And it's like, dude, he dumped you. Uh, that has nothing to do with fucking Catherine. But Charlotte's like, no, Catherine, you stole my man. She says she doesn't like him. Everyone knows that she said that, but she clearly does because he's choosing her over me. So then she goes on the goddamn war path and she poisons Catherine. <gasps> uh-huh. So you think oh, no. this whole story is like playing on Sleeping Beauty because he was drugged and then awoken by her riding his cock. No. It's also that then Catherine gets drugged and she's not lying there and she's dying. Um, and the fiance, Philbert, sees this and he's like, y'all are fucking messy. I'm out. And it's giving um it's giving Kardashian like reality TV husband who like instigated all the drama and then was just like, I don't like drama. And you're like, motherfucker, you started this. So anyways, Philbert's gone now. So now Catherine's on her deathbed. Charlotte is just in pieces because she's like, I did all this and he won't even be with me anymore. And now I've killed this woman that you clearly love. And Adrian's like, yes, I do love her. It wasn't just sex. It was love. And so then he, Adrian convinces his sister to go find a witch to get the antidote to the drugs. They give her the antidote It doesn't seem to work. So what does he do? He kisses her and says goodbye to her. And then she awakens. Oh, my God. And the best part, not the best part, but the amazing, like, subplot that I loved so hard was that his sister then says, fuck this, and decides to be a nun. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out that that's what his mother did after she was a mistress of the king and that's how he was born and she thought he was she was like the top hoe and the king was like nah you're one of many could care less and she was so devastated that she gave up her children and joined the convent 
And so the sister was like, well, it's 16 something. I, I don't really have a lot of options to so just be a single lady on the town. So fuck men forever and literally becomes a misandrist and becomes a nun. And I was oh, like, that's the dream. Incredible. So I loved it. It was super well written. I mean, it it's not a if you put a historical romance with some spice in there. I mean, the only thing this book was missing was some homosexuality. Otherwise, big fan. It was very. What do you think they're doing over in the convent, June? I mean, that's an excellent point. Charlotte's about to have a, her sexual awakening in the convent. Um, yeah, it was spicy. The sex scenes were very hot, so I'm giving it five out of five on the spice scale. Um, and yeah it was well written and it wasn't like too cliched it was like it was it was really well written i was i was into it so yeah i'm giving it five out of five for spice would recommend would absolutely read more in this series and more from this author uh and in terms of accoutrement i have to give it some sort of aphrodisiac what is it oysters i don't know what other chocolate whatever constitute figs shit like that um because the anchor point to this whole thing was aphrodisiacs and the plot twist at the end is that it turns out she had not actually given him aphrodisiac that night that her lady in waiting had mixed it up with something else and so the hot sexual chemistry they felt on day one was organic and true it really was them just having this amazing sexual connection that forgives all all the things that are wrong with drugging somebody and having sex with them. Exactly. Because he was not intoxicated. She gave him something for like, like a tonic for your stomach or something. She gave me like, like fucking, yeah, exactly. She gave him Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking Tums. Um, and then he was like, oh, I'm so horny for you. She's like, it's the Tums. No, it in fact was her incredible, luscious feminine self. So... Nothing fucking gets me going <laughs> like a little roll aid. Honestly, that shockiness, <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Mm. <laughs> yummy. It really makes me feel like I'm back in school eating chalk off the fucking blackboard. We love to see it. <laughs> Actually, what's very funny is that I am like deathly allergic to bismuth, which is like what's in Pepto Bismol. Um, and so I couldn't even make a joke about like nothing because literally nothing makes me puke harder than Pepto Bismol. Yeah, I mean it is terrible. It is oh, terrible stuff. I love the pink mints that taste like Pepto. Who big? You know those grandma mints? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love them, love them. But I literally will go exorcism. Like I've never projectile vomited on anything other than Pepto. Like, it is astounding what this does to me. And That's a super cool party trick, though. Oh, hundo. What hundo P? And because I'm not a drinker, the saddest part of my life is the amount of times that I have thrown up at the end of a party, and it's literally because I ate too many sweet treats. And then, I <laughs> and then I was like, I have indigestion! And then I took Pepto and then went full exorcism while drunk people were like, how is she throwing up? She's the designated driver. What is happening? And I'm like, I had too many cookies. <laughs> cookies and chips. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> over oh to God. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to... I'm gonna stay on track. I pro I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I believe okay. in you. What did you fucking read this week? 
so I'll tell you what I read and then don't say anything because I got more. So I read Get in My Swamp by (laughs) G.M. Fairy. It's an ogre love story. (laughs) And you had sent me a TikTok about the author sharing about this book. And I already had it in my library. Um, But it's meant to be a romantic retelling of Shrek. Um, Not exactly that. But as I was going to open it, it was like, if you like this book, you might like this book as well. Well, there was a sequel. There was a sequel. So it's called Stay in My Swamp. Um, (laughs) It's an ogre happily ever after. And I also read that one. Um, they Damn. weren't, they weren't super long, I guess, like in total, maybe like, maybe just under 400 pages. Um, what else do I have going on? Uh, so I, I I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, on the first book. If I can. So, um, yeah, so it, it really wasn't a Shrek retelling. It was kind of like the characters from Shrek, uh, she renamed them similarly and then made them the main characters. So Leona. Oh, okay. Got it. Leona is um, a woman who is engaged to Lawrence Fark. (laughs) Um, She is basically trailer trash for all intents and purposes. Like she's comes from a really poor kind of abusive neglectful background parents had uh, alcohol abuse issues um and one day this woman named victoria fark uh discovers her at a coffee shop she's like a barista or a server or something and sets her up with her brother lawrence and lawrence and victoria are very wealthy very bougie very all of these things and leona finally is not having to struggle anymore because they've set her up for life so he proposes and she decides she's going to marry him basically out of convenience because really he's asking nothing of her um, uh, in exchange for just being his wife. He's a terrible lay, like just terrible. He's got a teeny tiny little penis. Um, they make a point to mention that he's not short. He's about 5'11", but he's got a dinky little dink and he's a terrible lover. Uh, Victoria, on the other hand, is also like very uh kind of like hoity-toity doesn't really understand leona and is really pushy with like her own agenda and like her like things that she thinks are pretty or cool or things like that but leona doesn't have any friends so victoria becomes her best friend and um they are the heirs to the um dual lock security um dynasty Cause like Duloc, get it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Incredible. So they're very wealthy. They're very wealthy. Um, so the story opens and Leona is at her bachelorette party. Uh, but it's like in a cabin in like Florida, in like the swamps of Florida. And she, they're like in a mindfulness hut. And she's like, kept, keeps getting hushed by like the other, bridesmaids who like she doesn't really know but she has no friends so they're there and victoria um and she's like this just fucking sucks and she's like sitting there kind of stewing in her thoughts and she's like i need i need to just get the fuck out of here so she gets up and she decides to go for a walk um and it's like 
she's in the swamp and she's like, it's kind of gross. So she takes a nap and then in the middle of the night she wakes up. Everyone is asleep around her and she decides to go for a walk in the swamp. They have like, um, I guess like signal blockers around this camp that they're staying in. So she decides she's going to go out into the woods or the, the swamp and try and find a signal. Um, cut to Beck. <laughs> you know, because like Shrek. Mm-hmm. Beck is an ogre who lives in the swamps of Florida and he is a member of the magical community, like the magical creatures community. And he's been positioned kind of on the edge of the community because ogres eat people. Damn. So yeah, ogres eat people. So he's there to like, basically if anybody wanders in and falls into one of his like holes, like his traps, he'll just eat them. And it's usually like vagrant men. And the, the author is pretty much like, you know, in crackheads. And I'm like, okay, all right. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he usually eats the men that fall into these traps. Well, he, uh, he's looking forward to, you know, getting another human in one of his traps. Um, but there hasn't been one in a while. So he wakes up to yelling because Leona has stumbled into one of his traps and knocked herself unconscious. So he finds her and he's like, oh shit, she's really beautiful. And, Leona knows she's fucking hot because she's like described as having like huge tits and and porn star (laughs) lips. And she knows she's hot. So she uses her hotness to get what she wants. Um, But she's from L.A. So she's like, I know how to get what I want. Anyway. um, So she he picks her. He finds her in this pit. And he's like, well, I can't I can't eat her. Like I can't. I can't eat this woman. He's never had a woman fall into the trap and he doesn't hurt women or children, right? Heart of gold. Um, so he decides he's going to take her back to his, his cottage uh, while she wakes up um, and then deal with it in the morning because there's like a whole like board of directors or whatever for these magical creatures. And they're going to want to have it dealt with, right? They're take, they take their security very seriously. Uh, but she wakes up as he's getting to the cottage and she starts like screaming and kicking and all these things. So he puts her in the cage. Um, she just locks the door and he's like you, you gotta you gotta stop and he like ties her up and puts a gag in her mouth so she stops screaming and he's like you just gotta stop man and uh she won't so he's like well i'm going to sleep good night bye so the next day he wakes her up and he's made her like french toast and uh he's like i gotta go deal with some stuff so you eat while i'm gone so he goes and he he addresses the board and they say well you're gonna have to kill her and he's like, no, I'm not. I can't kill her because he's obviously attracted to her. So he he says, you know, well, it's very lonely in my hut and I could use a companion, but also like a maid, like to help me with the chores and those types of things. So they say, OK, you can keep her, um, but she has to stay here forever. She can never leave. And he's like, no problem. So he goes back and he tries to explain to her the situation. And she decides she's like, well, I'm going to make this ogre let me go um, by turning him on and he's going to want to fuck me and then I'll run away. Um, So she's like in her cage like, hey, Shrek, do you want to eat my pussy? And he's just like, who could play that game? And so he starts like jacking it. She's like, oh, my God, his dick was so humongous. And it's like, he's a fucking ogre. Like, what what do you think Shrek was packing for real? Come on. (laughs) Um, and so she like gets herself off and he's like, well, that was fun. And she's like mortified. Right. Um, but eventually he lets her out. Um, and they're both really like horny for each other at this point. And, 
um, he discusses like how, you know, if I let you go um, or if you run away, like not only are they going to kill you, they're going to kill me for letting you go. Um, and we find out that he has this really complicated backstory about how his mother um, came across like a father and his son who were lost in the woods and she tries to help the son, but the father shoots her. And then the dad comes and like has to kill the little boy and the dad to keep them from saying something. But then he kills himself and Shrek like, or sorry, Beck finds their bodies. <laughs> so it's like this really dark backstory. And you're like, fuck. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And so um, they end up like fucking because they can't keep their hands off each other um, because they have to like share one bed. They have to like share a bed because there's only one bed and she doesn't want to sleep in the cage again. And she wakes up in the middle of the night and, he's, and she's like, he's so hot. So she starts touching herself, obviously, because these people cannot control themselves even <laughs> in the face of like certain death. Um, and he wakes up and he's like, do you want help with that? And she's like, yes, I do. And then uh, they just they fuck each other. Um, and she's like, I don't think it's going to fit. And then it does. And then he's like, we were made for each other. But he's he's a virgin. He's a virgin. And so he becomes like obsessed with her because he's like, I can't believe it fit, like as if they were made for each other. And I guess it's a fairy tale. So that's the vibe, right? Um, so he's really happy. He's just like, This is great. But she runs away. She runs away in the middle of the night. He's sleeping. She runs away. Even though she had great sex and she kind of doesn't want him anymore. She does it anyway. And he catches up with her in like a couple seconds. And this is where we learn she's a brat. Which I hate that. Mm. I hate it in romance books. Mm -hmm. But she's like, stop it. I can do what I want. He's like, no, you can't. And then they fuck in the woods. And it's like, okay, this is. But he tears her clothes off. And then um, he's like, okay, well, I guess you need to. Um, we need to get you some new clothes. So we're going to have to go to the magical village. And uh, they go to this dress shop owned by Gilda, this like fairy. Um, and we meet his best friend, Donnie. <laughs> who's a centaur <laughs> and donnie's like oh you know your sex slave's really hot and he's like don't talk about her like that she's not my sex slave and he's like okay um and so they kind of just spend this time they spend these few months like hanging out and he cooks for her and they get to really know each other and they start to fall in love um but they each know like they know that she's engaged to this guy but nobody's come looking for her or anything so she's like okay well this is my life. And so one day he learns from Winston, who's a wizard in the community, that there's actually like a memory erasing potion. And he's like, I don't know why they didn't offer it to you, but like you could have just erased her memory of this community instead of keeping her trapped here. And he's like, well, why didn't you tell me this sooner? He's like, I just I'm just thinking of it now. And so he's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want her to leave. But then he realizes like he loves her and he wants to give her the choice. Um, so he has told her that he loves her and she hasn't said it back, but then she's like, no, I do love him. Like, I do love him. I want to stay here. I want to be happy. So he returns to the hut and he's like, actually, look, there's this potion. You have to go. Like you have this option. You can go. You have to go. And she's like, I don't want to go. And he's like, no, you got it. And so they fuck again. Uh, cause she's like, if I fuck him, he'll let me stay. Um, but nay, nay, Julie, he won't be swayed. So, uh, so she, decides that she's going to run away because he, he can't make her leave. She's going to do it herself. So she goes to leave. And then as she kind of gets to the edge of the forest, she hears someone calling her name and she thinks that it's Beck, but it's not. It's Lawrence. And Lawrence is like, 
he's like, Leona, you were, I found you. And she's like, it's been literal months, Lawrence. Like, how did you find me? He's like, oh, I traced your phone because he works in security. And she's like, you didn't do that sooner. He's like, well, I wasn't, I was in China doing business. And she's like, okay, right. There it is. So he's like, okay, well, let's, let's go back. Let's go and um, let's do this wedding and stuff. And she's like, okay. So she leaves with him and she continues to plan for this wedding, decides it's like the best thing to do because she's like, Beck doesn't want me. He doesn't want me. Um, so I'm just going to marry this guy. But she's miserable. She's really miserable. She doesn't, she doesn't want to do this. Um, but she decides she's going to give it like the old college try and she's going to try to reach out to her friends and her best friend is Victoria, right? Um so one day she decides she's going to just like grab lunch from their favorite sushi place and just pop in on Victoria and be like, surprise, I'm back. Here's some lunch. So she does. She bursts into Victoria's condo. Like, don't ever do that to me, Julie. <laughs> oh, ever, I wouldn't. Would don't ever never. come over to my house unannounced. Anyway, it's like the rudest thing. I, I, I don't like Leona as a human being. She's <laughs> just obnoxious. Um, but she bursts in and then she's like, Victoria, it's me. I brought lunch. And Victoria's like, oh, shit, shit, hang on, shit, hang on. And she's like, what the fuck? And then um, she's like, are you are you busy? Like, I, she's like, you got to get out of here. And she's like, okay. And as she's leaving, she notices Lawrence's shoes by the door. And she's like, why are his shoes here? And she's like, oh, he just forgot them here. And she's like, okay, all right. Well, sorry, I, bro- I barged in on you. But then she's like, wait one goddamn second. <laughs> And she bursts into her room. And Victoria and Lawrence are fucking. Oh, no. So one of the content warnings is incest at the beginning. <laughs> of the book. So they were fucking this whole time. So basically, Victoria set him up with her, uh, with, with uh, Leona, so that they could be married to somebody who was, like, not interested in him so that they could keep fucking. Um, but like Victoria's like, it's not what you think it is. And he's like, it's exactly what you think it is. Like, stop, <laughs> like, just relax. <laughs> um, and she's like the whole time it's like her describing how she's trying not to barf. Um, <laughs> and so she goes back to her, like her condo and stuff, but then she kind of has to start living on her own. So it's like, it cuts to like a few months later and she's like, Working in a little diner down in Flushing, Queens. And no, I'm kidding. Because um, they're an ally. And, um, you know, she's just living paycheck to paycheck, but she's she's free. She's doing her own thing. But she really wants to go back to find Beck, but she has no money. She can't fly out to Florida. Um, so one night she's just like really sad because she misses him. And then there's like a pounding on her door. And she's like, oh, my God, who did? Um, and it's she lives in like the worst part of the city. And uh, then like. The door gets broken down and there's like this giant person with like a ski mask and like a hood up. And she's like, please don't hurt me. She's like freaking out. Well, it's Beck. And I was like, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you do that to a woman? <laughs> like, and then, but I mean, she's terrified, but then they fuck and it's a happily ever after. Um, And then like, it ends with like him being like, in the morning, I'm making waffles. And you're like, oh, that was really nice. That was nice. Um, but there's also a scene where, um, and I was not expecting this, where <laughs> Leona is bathing in like a spring that they have and Donnie shows up and he's like, hey girl. And then he tries to like assault her um, and she screams for Beck and then like 
Donnie goes to like block her mouth and but Beck heard her and comes and beats the shit out of Donnie. Like it's a very graphic, violent scene where he's beating the centaur basically to death. He doesn't die. Um, but it was very graphic. And that was kind of like the trigger for him to be like, I have to get her out of here. Like she's not safe because she's not a fairy tale creature. And as long as I think that she's like my sex slave, she's never gonna be safe here. So that's kind of how that ends, but they have a happily ever after. In the second book, um, they've just, it's been, it's like a year later. They're just fucking nonstop. And there was more fucking in this book than there was story. (laughs) Oh, whoa. Um, They really tried to make it like Shrek 2. They really tried. Um, But it really didn't work. (laughs) So basically the story is that Leona and Beck are very, very happy. And Beck proposes. And the second that he proposes, she barfs. And and she's like, it's not you. It's not you. But we find out that she's been receiving all of these letters. um, And they've gotten more and more threatening. And now they include photos. And it turns out that Lawrence has been sending her these letters with photos of their location because he works for like a security dynasty, right? Saying you have to return to LA immediately or else. And it turns out that his father's passed away. And in order for Lawrence to... Uh, receive his inheritance he has to be married and well she kind of ruined that right when she left him because he found she found out he was fucking his sister um so she goes back and um she there's a scene where like beck calls her um and they have phone sex obviously um and then she explains what's going on and he's furious and she's like you can't do anything don't you do it like you can't come out here it's not safe Promise me you won't because, like, he knows what you look like. When you barged into my apartment in the last book, um, you they got photos of you. You weren't inconspicuous. Um, so he's like, shit, okay. Um, so he goes to Winston, the wizard, who, you know, helped him in the last book. And Winston's like, I got you. I actually have this potion I just invented that will turn you into a human form temporarily. Um, so you can go to L.A. 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 Um, la to be with uh leona and help her through this because he's like i'm just gonna kill him i'm just gonna fucking kill him and she's like i hope he kills him um and so he shows up and just like in shrek 2 um she doesn't recognize him but uh they figure it out and so they um winston's like look i i have a plan so that you don't actually have to kill anybody um i know this person who also makes potions here in alaya and um she can help you um but like you're gonna have to give her something um and so i'm sure you know where this is going since i've definitely made you watch shrek with me a lot of times um (laughs) they're going to find the fairy godmother well the fairy godmother's name is gm fairy so the author named herself after the fairy godmother in her own book honestly Um, i respect it I do too. I do too because the fairy godmother in this instance owns a sex club for um fairy tale creatures. Love it's it. called like happily ever endings or something or ha- happy endings ever after or something like that. Love it. Um and so the deal is that she'll give them a potion that if they give it to Lawrence, it's called like the charming potion and for 24 hours he'll do whatever they ask him to do. So the idea is that Leona's going to take this potion, drug Lawrence, and then get him to destroy all the evidence. So in exchange, they have to uh, perform sexually in front of a crowd there. 
Um, so there's this whole scene about them like fucking and then everybody in the crowd's masturbating. And I was like, this is, come on. Um, but then the other condition is that she they owe her one more favor at any point. And I was like, oh, she's going to ask for their firstborn. I can't wait. But no, she didn't. Uh, <laughs> I was like, make it dark. Make it dark. Steal a baby. <laughs> um, so they get the potion and then Leona goes to have a meeting with uh, Lawrence to kind of do like wedding planning or whatever. And so she drugs him and it works. And she's like, okay, destroy all the evidence, destroy it all. And he's like, no problem, old buddy. And like does all the stuff. Um, and then it turns out that like, he actually has like what he calls his blackmail room. <laughs> it's like this hidden room full of like monitors and all these things. And so she's kind of like in the swing of it. And she's like, do you have all this information about Victoria? He's like, yeah, you never know. You never know when you're going to need to blackmail someone. And I was like, I respect that. Um, it's why I have so much stuff in my house. Because <laughs> you it's never just, know. Yeah. You never you're know when you need to be haunted. You're hoarding the secrets. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a, a queen's eunuch. <laughs> um, so she's like, you know what? Why don't you take all the evidence of you and Victoria fucking and put it on social media? he's like, no problemo. So he does. He, like, exposes his relationship with Victoria online. And then Leona books it and gets back to Beck and Winston and is like, hey, so I kind of got carried away. Um, and they're like, what did you do? And uh, she explains. And they're like, okay, well, we got to get out of here right away because he's going to want revenge. We got to book it. So they they leave to go and, like um fiona's not or leona's not feeling well so beck's like i'll get you some ginger ale she's like thank you my tummy hurts my little tummy i'm a little flat i need some ginger ale he's like no problem babe so he goes to get ginger ale and then when he comes back the door is ajar and the room is ransacked and leona's not there and he's like how did lawrence get her it's not even been 24 hours the potion's like not even done um so he runs to winston and winston's like shit okay well let's try and figure it out so he does like some magic and he figures out where they are and they're at this warehouse and they go and they save her and it turns out it was victoria that took her uh, she's like because you ruined my life and i hate you and it's like that's fair that is uh really fair like she really didn't do anything wrong in all of this except you know uh, the incest piece but like who does that hurt really i mean like, who does that hurt? it was consensual in a weird fucked up way yeah but, like not hurting anybody um and so um they um they like barge into the, the thing and then they beat up all the all the baddies and then they save her um and that's it and so then they go back to their fairy tale village and she's like let's get married and he's like yay um and then it turns out that the reason she's been puking is because she's pregnant everybody knows but her because she has no magic um and she's like oh, okay yay and then um the fairy godmother comes to their wedding and then we find out what the last promise is. And the last favor promise is that they also open a sex club in their fairy tale village. Um, and so they do. And it ends with them getting ready to perform for a crowd uh, because they are sex addicts. Um, best part about this book, though, was that Winston, our wizard, um, invented like a sex enhancing drug called gumdrop buttons. So, of course, they Amazing. were like, he was like, oh, have has the shipment come in? And she's like, no, they're not here yet. And he's like, not the gumdrop buttons. And I was like, perfect. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So the books weren't, they were bad. Like, they were pretty, pretty unique retellings of the stories, for sure. Um, but there was just like, 
constant fucking. Like when 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 Shrek or Beck gets turned into a person to go greet her um in LA, LA. LA. Um, LA. Um they like immediately jump on each other and start fucking while the wizard's still in the room. And so he sits down to watch and they're like, mm, get out of here. And he's like, if you say so. And like, they're just, they're just fucking. And the only reason he really wants to go to her in Allah is because he misses her on his dick. And I'm like, it just sounds so obsessive. Like, maybe you need to like, try out some other pussy like maybe you just gotta <laughs> dip your wick in some other creatures like have you ever fucked a virgin like they do get a little obsessed like they can couldn't um, tell that's you that's how i met my son's father you know and uh it just it happens that way but uh it was it was a lot like i was just like and i i, I can't abide a brat i just can't it's just it's no, it's I, I good to know that, about you that you're like, you know, you're down for a lot of shit, but that just doesn't, it doesn't do it for you. I mean, uh, I've been bratty for sure. It's fun. Like the game is fun and stuff. But when I'm reading someone else doing it, it's obnoxious. 100%. I could absolutely that see that. Sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're embodying like, it, you don't want to watch it in other people because you're also like, I don't want to listen to someone whine. Just fucking do what you're told. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a scene where he's she's like hungry because she's pregnant and she's like eating all this like toast and jam. He's made her a nice picnic. And he's like, oh, you got a bit of jam on your face. And so she's like, so I just thought I'm going to be a brat. And I reach in and rub and get jam on my hands and rub it on his face. And I'm like, why do you suck? Why do you <laughs> suck so much? I would if I was an ogre, I would have hit her. I would have hit that woman and then felt bad for the rest of the book because I hit a woman like. Anyway, you know what? The stories themselves were pretty, they're pretty good. They're pretty cute. I thought it was a really good retelling. But as someone who now also writes erotica, I understand how you get carried away with the sex stuff once you get the hang of it. But it was just all the same stuff. Like, it was just the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, and it's like, his dick was so big, but then she still sucked it. And like, they deep throated. I was like, how, how, how didn't she die? I've taken like strangulation ID workshops like that. That doesn't work. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Not do. So anyway. because it was so much bangerang, what are you going to read? Are you reading bangerang? Um, uh, no. Am I, let me just figure out where, what I bookmarked here. I don't remember. Are you reading the- banging adjacent perhaps? <laughs> I think it's like right after. Um, okay, so it's like this is this is the scene where um, she thinks like if I fuck him, he'll let me stay. Like he'll have to let me stay. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Um, okay. Where is it? Okay. Here we go. I rip the straps of her nightgown and pull it down, exposing her full round tits. Leona gives a sob as my hand grabs her. My other hand reaches for my pants, yanking them down and releasing my aching cock. The moment it's free, Leona scoots down from under me and grabs it. A chill runs down my spine. I need you, Leona. 
She positions my head at her entrance. I try to reach down and touch her. Even though I could smell her from the hallway, I want to make sure she's ready for me. She swats my hand away and wraps her legs around mine, impaling herself on my dick. I slide in easily. She's as eager to have me inside her as I am. She cries out with each thrust and her moans speed up as I increase my speed. This is not how I planned our reunion. I planned to explain my feelings to her, kiss every inch of her body. Oh, sorry. This is after he like barged into her apartment. Okay. Fear makes us do crazy things, Julian. <laughs> so I hear. And make this first time after so long last as long as I could, but the monster inside of me can't wait. It seems like Leona's monster is unable to control herself as well. Our moans melt together until our bodies tense and we both come undone. I feel as if I can finally breathe for the first time in weeks. I feel whole and empty in the best way. I lie beside her while we catch our breaths, tracing circles on her dewy stomach. Why did you leave? I finally ask. She turns her head to look at me, her face scrunched in utter confusion. You wanted me to leave. She sits up and stares down at me. I wanted to keep you safe, not have you leave without saying goodbye. What would goodbyes do, back? Would goodbyes make us forget about each other? I know your stupid potion would, but is that what you really want? To forget about me? She gets out of bed and stands, oh, stands over me. I press the palms of my hands to my forehead. Leona, I love you. I want what's best for you. How can you be happy in my swamp? It's not just a swamp. It's a swamp with you. How can I be happy with anything less? I turn my body and stare at her. She's so beautiful when she's angry. Her cheeks are flushed and her eyes hold a steely expression. I love her so much, but how can we be together? She breaks the moment of silence. Why are you here then? Are you here to give me that potion? I sit up. No, I don't want to force you to take something you don't want. I've already told the board you took it. I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I was, I wasn't thinking clearly. I just, I just had to find you. And how did you find me? How did you even get here without being noticed? Winston, the wizard who gave me the potion, he was able to track you. I put on a hoodie, some sunglasses, and a face mask and took a plane. No one even noticed me. She nods. Well, you found me. Was this enough for you? Was one last fuck enough for us to be apart forever? Tears are now streaming down her face. I sit on the edge of the bed and gather her in my arms. I look into her eyes. No, it will never be enough. I could be with you every second for the rest of my life and it will still never be enough. Then how can you not take me back then? I don't want to capture you again. I, I want to do what's best for you. She sits up on my lap and faces me, her naked body pressed against me. Back. I've had enough time away from you. I've seen life without you and I don't want it. This is my choice. I want to be with you no matter what obstacles come in our way. My dick is pounding, but I fight my sexual urges and try to focus on her words. She's right. How could this ever end? She loves me and I love her. I can't keep fighting this. When I planned to come here, this is exactly what I hoped would happen, whether I wanted to admit it or not. Okay, I surrender. Okay. A smile forms on her face. Okay. I shrug and smirk. So, I can come back with you? Yes, but on one condition. Her face sobers. What's that? You have to sit on my face before we go. Woo. She laughs and bites her lip before scooting up on my thighs. Oh, there's a lot of things we need to do before we go. She pushes me back on the bed and covers my body with hers. I don't think we'll be making it back to the swamp anytime soon. You can see all they're doing is fucking. Damn.
They yeah. were busy up in them swamps. I mean, they were in LA right then. So. LA. 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 I, I watched a lot, a lot of um, SNL <laughs> LA stuff last night. <laughs> so I was like, how do they, how do they, how, what's the accent that they do? Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. You could Bex from Bex from Florida, not from LA. Oh, that, you know, they do have them swamps yeah. there. They do have yeah, them they swamps. Do. They do. Um, what do you? They don't have gay people or no. um, critical race theory or gender affirming care, but they got swamps. No, they got Florida men. They got swamps, <laughs> gators, and they got ogres, ogres and yeah. gators, ogres and gators. You got it. Um, I was just going to read. Actually, it's not even part of the book. It's a little bit of a preamble because I just thought it was really interesting. Um, so it's not. It's, I mean, you had accents, you had all kinds of shit. I'm going to end with some nerdy shit. So, I don't know. Thought it'd be interesting. This is literally like page one prologue and it's titled A Historical Tidbit. The hero in this story, Adrien Christophe d'Aspé de Bourbon, Marquis de Beaulain, was not entirely born of this author's imagination. In actual fact... My e-reader is garbage. It keeps freezing. Okay. In actual fact, Adrien was inspired by the Baron de Chantal. Who on earth was the Baron de Chantal, you ask? Well, if you were a woman in 17th century France, you'd be very much aware of the Baron de Chantal. Tall and sinfully gorgeous. A master swordsman, expert horseman, dancer, charmer extraordinaire, and ladies' man. And though dueling was against the law, he'd fought more than his share. But Adrien wasn't inspired by just a handsome, charming, historical bad boy. It was what happened to Chantal when he was young that made him stand out to me. And shaped Adrien's character. You see, Chantal's mother, the Baroness Jeanne de Chantal, a widow, abandoned him and his two sisters to enter the convent and take the veil. Fun fact, later to become canonized by the Catholic Church and made Saint-Jeanne de Chantal in 1767. Ooh! On the day his mother was to leave, the young future Baron de Chantal at the time flung himself across the doorway of their home in tears over her departure. Ignoring his pleas, she stepped over him and left him to be raised by his uncle. As a mother, I was heartsick for him. And that very painful, life-altering event no doubt changed who he was inside, as well as my own hero, Adrien, who had the same anguish-filled event occur in his life. As to what happened to the Baron de Chantal, he eventually married and his daughter was the famous Marquise de Sévigny, best known for her letters to her daughter that spanned 30 years and have been published as a collection in different languages around the world. Like her father, Marquise de Sévigny was incredibly bright and charming and welcomed into all the prestigious salons in Paris where the aristocracy, oh, I can never say that word, Aristocracy, aristocracy, there it is, aristocracy and literati gathered to discuss and debate things like politics, philosophy, grammar, and books. She is recognized as someone who was influential in shaping the French language and literature. Oh. It was during this time period that French writer Charles Perrault, creator of The Tales of Mother Goose and the entire genre of fairy tales, attended the same salons and went on to write stories that have delighted people for centuries. Sleeping Beauty, Little Red Riding Hood, Puss in Boots, Bluebeard, and the ever-popular Cinderella, to name a few. So the following is loosely based on Sleeping Beauty and the Baron de Chantal. 
Step into the glittering and salacious world where fairy tales were born. I just thought it was so interesting that not only was she like, hey, this is a particular character that inspired the protagonist in this, but also he also knew the guy. Like he was like, you know, Kevin Bacon degrees away from the guy who created <laughs> fairy tales in the first place. And I thought that's so fucking interesting. That's super cool. Yeah. So your book had everything. It really did. And I, yeah, like I, I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's, it's the kind of um, historical romance that I quite like is that like, you know, well-researched. So you're giving me stuff that's like good and accurate, but also having that little prologue at the beginning is just a reminder that like, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes and like there were interesting characters all throughout here history um and let like someone created fairy tales at some point someone came up with that shit like the you know brothers grim and this dude and so yeah so that was our fairy tale week and so i ended with a lesson on the history of fairy tales and now what are we doing next week Looking on to I our next. Don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember. It's the something about covers. Yes, girl. We are doing cover models. So right. next week we are cover looking girl. at cover girls. People who are on the cover of magazines, the cover of books, the cover of textbooks. Even I mean, God, so many options. Cover models is our theme for next week. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you so much. You're number one and you're number one. If you're listening, you are number one and you also are number one. All of you, number ones in our hearts and in our minds. 100%. And in our butts. I mean, just hit me up. Like, <laughs> <in> those DMs. Like, <laughs> let me know what's good. Follow us on Instagram as always. But as always, it was lovely chatting with you, Renee. And I, you, Julia Lalonde. Would you like to sing us out? Sure thing. <clears throat> Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.